Blog Talk Radio. Swing and a miss! One more time to fight it! Watch it fly! Good morning and welcome to the Bless You Boys podcast for Saturday, February the 7th, 2015. I'm your host, Hook Slide, and I am more than ready for this baseball season to finally start. We are just a little less than two weeks away from the official start of spring training, and more exciting for me, I guess, we're less than a little less than a month away from the first spring training radio broadcast on March the 3rd. Can't wait for that. If you are a first-time listener, welcome to this, the, Mar- the Morning Madness, the Zoo, the Bless You Boys podcast is a feature of the Bless You Boys website. You can find us on the web at www.blessyouboys.com, also on Twitter at Bless You Boys, and on Facebook, just search for Bless You Boys. Well, today's episode is somewhat bittersweet for me. I was hoping to introduce today's guest as West Michigan Whitecaps play-by-play announcer Ben Chiswick, but unfortunately for us Whitecaps fans, we now have to say former Whitecaps play-by-play announcer Ben Chiswick. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, Hookslide. Good to be back on the podcast. Thanks for joining us again. Not to cast kind of a dark cloud right from the start, but uh, <laughs> it was a bit of a it was a bit of a shocker to hear at the uh, earlier in January that that you had made the decision that you wouldn't be coming back to the Whitecaps organization uh, to do the radio announcing. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, you know what what went into that decision and what's next for for you. Yeah, well, you use the word bittersweet. That's a good word to describe it. It was a very difficult decision for me. I had an amazing five years in West Michigan uh, working with the Whitecaps, uh, working in that community were just tremendous, working with the Tigers also. I mean, I, I couldn't have asked for a better opportunity or a better situation. Um, it just got to the point for, for my family where uh, it was a little bit too much travel for us. Uh, as you know, Hook Slide, uh, we actually live in Chicago. So I was uh, coming over to Grand Rapids to work the Midwest League baseball season for six months out of every year. Uh, we got a little girl who was getting older now, just turned four in December. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a business in baseball when you're, when you're traveling the, the team schedule where you're, you're gone a lot, you're away from home a lot. Um, and so a lot, of, a lot that goes into it behind the scenes um, uh, to make it all happen. So, I mean, it was a great run. I enjoyed every minute of it. But just to, as a family decision, uh, we decided that it was just a little bit too much back and forth, a little bit too long of a commute uh, to, to continue. So uh, it was a tough call because, uh, like I said, I mean, it, I had a great experience working for the Whitecaps. It's one of the best jobs in all of minor league baseball for a radio broadcaster. Uh, so it was tough to step mm-hmm. away. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people maybe don't realize all of what goes into, you know, the effort of, of being the play-by-play announcer. Like you said, you had to travel with the team. I know your uh, your partner in the booth, Dan Elvey, didn't always go with you on the on the road trips, but maybe kind of fill us in a little bit. What are some of the, the places, the longest distances you had to travel in following the Whitecaps? Um, well, our farthest trip uh, is actually one of our divisional rivals, the Bowling Green Hot Rods. Uh, even though they're in the Eastern Division with the Whitecaps, it's the longest trip. I want to say it's about an uh, eight- or nine-hour drive. And then you, you tack on an hour on the way back, so that made for some long overnight uh, overnight busters. But you know, it's 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 a tough gig, and and you know they talk about the grind of the baseball season that the players do all the time, and that's because there's so much travel. Um, you're living out of hotels. The travel is often overnight traveling because, of course, one of the things we love about baseball is that we play every day. Um, but there are also so many great experiences that come with that. I, I mean. Uh, being able to see all the different cities and all the different ballparks and, and meet all the different people in those in those markets and watch all the different players and prospects, which I know your listeners uh, you know are into that just like I am. I'm definitely a baseball nerd, so it's really an amazing opportunity, mm. and I had so many so many good times and great experiences. Yeah, it really is, and I think I would encourage any of our listeners that have the opportunity. Uh, you know, if you live near a you know one of the uh, mid. Uh, what do I want to say, the minor league teams, any of them, really. Mm-hmm. If you live near one of those ballparks, you know, to get out to see some of the minor league games, I, I, they have just such a, a more, I don't know, intimate feel, I think. You know, yeah, than, than going to... Yeah, a little bit more family-friendly, too. You know, you bring the kids yeah. out, they, they can really get up close with the players and with the action and, and ha- have access in a way that you just don't get in a major league uh, stadium. And some of these, as you know, some of these minor league markets, I mean, have have really grown. I mean, they're not like the, mm. the Bull Durham baseball atmosphere, you know, that, that you <laughs> right. think of from that movie. I mean, obviously, Fifth Third Ballpark in West Michigan is a great example. Uh, ballparks in mm. Dayton and Fort Wayne and, and, and Midland, Michigan also. I mean, they're modern ballparks with all the amenities we're used to, great food, great atmosphere. I'm, I mean, it really is, really is a great product. Yeah, yeah, and I think you would agree that the Whitecaps in particular do a very, very good job of kind of making yeah. it a, a, a holistic experience that way, and they have the, you know, the fan food uh, contest submissions and things like that. So that's that is just a very kind of a fun time all around. Plus, like you said, you get to watch, you know, potential uh, big leaguers play, you know, in their early days and kind of see that early on. Ben, tell us though, um, you know, as as you kind of carry on with the next phase, um, maybe share with us some of what were your top, you know, favorite moments with the Whitecaps organization. Oh man, that's such a that's such a tough question, and and I've been thinking and and kind of reliving a lot of those uh, memories in my head over the last. Um, you know, yeah. first and foremost is just the relationships and the people that you get to know, and uh, you know, I know that's a boring answer, but it's but it's true. I mean, from the the front office staff uh, to the listeners and fans I got to know over the years, to the players and coaches and and player development personnel uh, with the Tigers who, who came through. I mean, so many. Um, great relationships with them that I'll, I'll definitely, you know, continue on. Uh, having my family run around the ballpark. I love watching my daughter run around the ballpark mm. like uh, like it was a big playground for her. Um, and, you know, especially the last two years, you know, we had um, two seasons ago was the big 20th anniversary thing for the Whitecaps. Last year, of course, was the fire in January. I mean, two very emotional seasons, I mean, full of uh, so much nostalgia and, and camaraderie. Um, but on the field, a couple of things that, that, that stick out, um, and I talk about relationships, some of the players you, you get to know. And, and, you know, some guys you, you really root for because you like them. They're good guys. You want to see them succeed. 
Well, probably mm-hmm. the, the greatest ending that I was able to call was a game we had down in Bowling Green a couple of years ago. Stephen Moya, who, of course, you and your listeners are very familiar with, uh, yeah. he, he earned the number one play on SportsCenter's top ten. We're in Bowling Green. He hits a grand slam, I want to say, in the third or fourth inning. Uh, we're in the bottom of the ninth and up 4-2. That grand slam were the only runs we had that game. And up 4-2, huh. Bowling Green had the bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the nine. And their guy, Drew Vettelson, who's a was a, a top race prospect. I think he's been traded since, but uh, he hits the ball to the right. It looks like it's going to be a walk-off grand slam for the hot rods, and then Moya just goes up over the fence, brings it back uh, for you know to rob what would have been the walk-off grand slam. And uh, that was actually oh, wow. the number one play on SportsCenter until later that night. If you'll recall, Matt Cain on the Giants a couple years ago, he threw a no-hitter. Uh, when he threw okay. his no-hitter and, and the West Coast games ended, they bumped Moya down to number two. But he had a couple hours there. Uh, that, that, oh, was, that was goodness. pretty fun. That was definitely one of my one of my favorite on-field memories. Oh, that's that's fun stuff. I mean, I tell you what, it, it, it's the minor leagues, you know, and it's you know it's not professional baseball in the sense of being you know the the big leagues. But I tell you, the the, the drama on the field is the same, you know, and. We've we've been able to see you know as, as taking my kids out though to to the games the Whitecaps games we've seen plenty of those kinds of moments just those walk off home runs and you know great plays yeah. in the field so that's that's fun Ben thanks for sharing that with us um, you know what I think I'm going to miss the most though about you know having not calling the games anymore is the baffle Ben segment yeah <laughs> and uh, you know <laughs> you and me both. Uh, I, for the listeners that don't don't know what we're referring to, during the Whitecaps games, uh, they had a segment called Baffle Ben, where uh, your your broadcast partner Dan Elvey would read you a trivia question, some kind of obscure baseball trivia question, and you would have kind of a, a good portion of the game to kind of figure it out and get the answers right, and you even got the the fans on Twitter involved and in kind of you know guessing their answers, and that was always just kind of a fun you know a fun thing to kind of you know get get through the uh, get through those games, a nice addition you know, and it, to be able to kind of figure those trivia yeah. questions out while we're listening to the play-by-play. So I, I promised uh, when you were on the podcast last August, I promised that the next time <laughs> we had you on, I would have a Baffle Ben question for you. And I do. So here it comes. Okay. Go for it. Which three Tigers pitchers have posted three or more complete game World Series wins? Three, three Tigers or more. pitchers. Three Tigers pitchers that have posted three uh-huh. or more complete game World Series wins. Complete and, uh, game think, World Series wins. Yeah, yeah, and it. Uh, I think what we'll do is maybe follow the same format that you did, you know, with the with the Whitecaps play-by-play. We'll just kind of come back to that throughout this uh, throughout okay. this podcast, and if our, our uh, people on Twitter want to want to join in. You can tweet us, uh, tweet me at hookslidebyb if you think you know the answers to that. And no cheating. This is, you know, this is on the honor system. So. No cheating. No, no internet. I never use no. internet during Baffle Ben. I, I, nope. It's always a good time. I'll, I, all right, I'll try to mull that one over while we're chatting here. All right. I'll even give you some hints later, just like Dan used to do, just to kind of keep it, keep it fair. Um, there you I go. I never turn down to... hints. No, no. Uh, so it can be a little bit hard to say before the season begins, but I, I'm curious to get your feedback on on who are the players you you think we should be keeping an eye on, uh, you know, in the West Michigan Whitecaps system for 2015. Yeah, that's always kind of a, a fun uh, a fun process to go ahead and sit down and, and think of who who that might be. Um, you know, like you said, you never know because uh, so much changes every offseason. I mean, just look at all the trades that the Tigers made that would affect uh, the low minors and the, the whole system. Of course, since the end of 
uh, last season, and you never know who's going to have a good camp and, and uh, what guys do in winter mm-hmm. ball. But I think one name that, that everybody's kind of looking at is Derek Hill. Uh, obviously, the Tigers' first-round yeah. pick from last year, a young outfielder out of, out of California. Now, he's certainly not guaranteed to be in West Michigan, but you better believe the Tigers want to see him break spring training in West Michigan. Uh, he didn't do a whole lot uh, with his pro debut after the draft last year, but that's not so uncommon for a high school draft pick uh, either. But I'm sure the Tigers would like him to earn a spot on the Whitecaps roster in spring training. Um, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see whether he does break camp with a team or not because that'll also give an early indication of uh, where he is in terms of the progress they'd like him to make. Um, I think mm-hmm. that uh, it's probably going to be uh, – I think outfield and catcher seem to me to be uh, two areas of strength uh, in, in the Whitecaps, or excuse me, in the Tigers' farm system in the in the low minors, uh, if Derek Hill makes the team, you figure he'll probably be in the outfield with uh, Mike Gerber, uh, Ross Kivett, a couple guys that came up late last year. And uh, also, I, let me tell you, I'm really disappointed uh, that I'm not going to be able to have some fun with the name Joey Pancake because uh, Joey Pancake <laughs> was uh, drafted last year by the Tigers. I, I brought his name up as much as I could, which was quite a bit because he had a great uh, pro debut down in the Penn League with uh, with Connecticut. But I'm disappointed that I'm, uh, he'll likely be a Whitecap this year, and I was looking forward to having a lot of fun with that. So uh, small, you know, small things. <laughs> but um, sure, it sure. should be a good outfield. I think catcher is, is an area of strength uh, now in the low minors. I really, really liked Arvison Perez who came up last year uh, late in the season, and no one really knew much about him. Uh, but to me, he had tools and, and he had the age where he could be a legitimate prospect. So I, I'd like to see, you know, he got hurt uh, right at the end of the year, and that really hurt uh, the Whitecaps' playoff chances. I uh, don't know if Grayson yeah, Griner yeah. might be back. Obviously, Grayson Griner, a name that a lot of people are aware of. And, um, you know, another catcher that the Tigers drafted last year uh, with a familiar name, Shane Zeal, out of UCLA. He was, uh, I believe, either the son or the nephew of, of Todd Zeal, um, obviously former major leaguer. So I think catcher and outfield are, are a couple interesting areas of strength. It'll see who uh, who shakes out at those positions. And I think pitching also. Uh, Spencer Turnbull, second-round pick last year. Um, unless he leapfrogs West Michigan, he'll probably be there. Uh, Joe Jimenez had a good year in the Penn League last year. We may have some returning players from the from the draft last year, especially. Um, so you know it, it'll be interesting to see. But I think uh, you, you certainly hope as uh, Whitecaps and Tiger fans that they'll keep that that chain of pitching coming in. I mean, the pitching staff that we had in West Michigan last year obviously was exceptional. Um, but they draft a, a lot of power arms every year, so it'll be interesting to see if this year's uh, uh, crew can match that. Well, you're you're absolutely right. It seems that the pitching has been the focus for many, many years, and that makes it kind of fun for us as, as Whitecaps fans because you kind of get to see that first crop come through. And, uh, you know, usually the Whitecaps team has a very, very strong uh, not only starting rotation but good arms in the bullpen as well. It makes it very fun to watch those games. Uh, kind of a related question then to that, Ben, um, and I think you're kind of answering it as as we go. But, you know, with the, with the trades in the last, say, six months or so, start from, you know, the, the trade deadline in July – uh, you know, when when uh, the Tigers traded off names like Corey Knable, and I think Jonathan Crawford was part of that. I, I get him and Jake Thompson confused, but there's another name yeah. that gets you know, <laughs> traded. Willie Adamas, you know, gets traded off. Uh, have the Tigers finally depleted the farm system? Well, I tell you, it's an interesting question. I hear it all the time, and my answer is a is a resounding no because every year, this time of year, we're having that conversation, but then every year in July. 
we're talking about the Tigers making trades to help the major league roster, and they obviously have the, the assets to do so because they make those trades every year. You know, I think what what is easy to forget, um, you know, we love following prospects and watching the minors and, and, and trying to find who the next big thing is going to be. But I think sometimes, you know, the the, the main goal kind of gets lost. You know, Dave Dombrowski's job is not to uh, have the Tigers farm system ranked number one and all the prospect rankings. It's to uh, put the major league team in a position to win a World Series. And the Tigers are, what, four straight AL Central titles, uh, 90 yeah. wins. In three of the last four years, so I think the cycle that keeps repeating itself is that the Tigers have been able to, through the draft and uh, and international free agency, add prospects to the system. But then you've got, you know, every year you have a couple of those guys traded in July before the deadline. You have, uh, you know, this year especially a handful of those guys traded, um, you know, in the fall and into December uh, by the by the winter meetings time. So then by the time all the, the prospect rankings come out in advance of, you know, the next season, all of a sudden the farm system looks bare because there aren't very many prospects. But then right. you've got to look at the players that have been added to the major league roster in exchange for those guys. I mean, like David Price, uh, Ian Kinsler, um, you know, Alfredo That's Simone right. was a pickup this year, I, you know, all, all these guys. So I think that it's a trade-off that the Tigers front office is happy to make. They're happy to... Uh, well, they're willing to live with the farm system being looked at as subpar because they understand that they're flipping those assets in and and in a way that goes along with with their philosophy. So, um, I understand why the Tigers farm system is often ranked, you know, in the in the lower half, and I I don't disagree with that. I mean, at the time when you sit down and and make those rankings, you know, uh, that that's what it looks like, and that's what it is. It's a snapshot of that moment in time. But you know, last year at this time. We weren't talking about Willie Adamas. We weren't talking about, uh, you know, some of the pitchers like a Chad Green or a Buck Farmer or Austin Kibitza like we had last year. Last year at this time, right. those guys weren't on our radar. Um, so, you know, fast forward six months, I think you're going to have a lot of names on the prospect radar that will become trade pieces that we didn't necessarily uh, know about right now. Yeah, it's funny you should mention names like Buck Farmer because, like you said, that wasn't a name that people were really talking about this time last year. And yet, you mm-hmm. know, you look at the fact that he was able to move up very quickly from the Whitecaps organization, skipped a couple steps and went, you know, right to Detroit. Yeah, and was able to even help them out, you know, in a very tight spot this year. So, uh, yeah, I, I find it interesting though that as as you're kind of spelling it out that I think the Tigers build their their farm system with with an eye towards eventually trading. And and that's where they get their value. And so every year we get these prospect reports that come out, and you have you know Whitecaps names or Tigers names that are like way down on the list. And I think, yeah, but you know what? They're gonna they're gonna get traded for gold later in the season. Yeah, and there's a balance to that. I mean, on one hand, you 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 never want to lose sight of of the major league team's goal, which is the ultimate the ultimate goal, of course. But then on the other hand, you do need to protect you know the the right assets so that uh, you know you're keeping the guys that really can turn out to be something. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I was up in Grand Rapids for the uh, Whitecaps Winter Banquet um, just a couple of weeks ago. Dave Dombrowski was there. I, I was chatting with him, and then I was overhearing him uh, uh, do a do a media interview where it, you know a reporter asked him just that about all the players that he's traded away. And after then countering with the, the players that he added, you know, he said, "You know what else? We could have traded Stephen Moya. Teams wanted Stephen Moya. We held on to Stephen yeah. Moya, right? So so there are definitely guys." that they're protecting. They, they didn't trade Moya. Um, I'm, she wasn't the only one. I mean, there, there are guys that 
uh, they want to protect because they don't want to give away somebody, you know, with that type of a feeling. So, you know, you pick and you choose. Um, I think, I don't, I don't know how popular of a comment this might be, uh, but the, the trade that they made um, with the Reds, uh, trading Jonathan Crawford, you know, on one hand, you're, mm-hmm. you're trading a first-round pick, you're trading a, a, a major league talent, a guy who has a lot of ability. On the other hand, you know, uh, when you look at our starting rotation last year, I think the Tigers were probably pretty glad that they were able to use Crawford as the piece they moved and not trade Farmer and not trade a, a guy like Chad Green. Uh, because of uh, right. the, the value that those players re- represent. So, um, you know, you got to get to get, no doubt about it. And I don't think any Tiger fan would disagree that, that they, they need to get. They needed to get some pieces after last season to put themselves back in a position to contend. Hmm. So we're talking with uh, Ben Chiswick, former Whitecaps play-by-play announcer on the radio here on the Bless You Boys podcast. You can find us on the web at www.blessyouboys.com. And we have an ongoing Baffle Ben segment this podcast. Ben, you care to take a stab at the question, which three Tigers pitchers have posted three or more complete game World Series wins? Right, three or more complete. That's, that's hard. I'm, I'm going to guess, uh, is Denny McClain one of them? No, he's not, actually. No Denny McClain, no. huh? Nope. Let me, give you, let me give you a hint, though. Um, Go ahead. We've got two righties, two righties and a lefty. Okay. And we have one pitcher. We have one pitcher from each of the World Series periods, except for 1984. Okay. So it's kind of a it's kind of a widespread there. So I'll so let we, you kind so of mull that over. Early, all right. So we got the early 20th century. We got the 30s, and we got the late 60s. Right. There you go. Those three periods. We got one pitcher from each of those eras, and uh, two righties and a lefty. All right. We're making progress. <laughs> there you go. So let me ask you, as, as we're kind of continuing to mull that over, and if you, our listeners want to kind of join in the game, you can go ahead and tweet at HooksFlyBYB. If you want to, we used to hashtag it, right? Hashtag BaffleBen was the That's way right. to hashtag uh, BaffleBen. Play the, hashtag BaffleBen on Twitter. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, a picture that I liked to, to watch last year, Joe Mantiply. Mm-hmm. Who yeah. has uh, has gotten gotten the invite to spring training? He's going to go. He'll be there uh, in a couple weeks. Um, just I want to hear your insider perspective. You got to watch Joe pitch a lot, obviously, uh, last year. What are your thoughts on his chances of being able to make the club this year? Is he still maybe a year out? What can he contribute? Uh, tell us what you know. Yeah, that'll be fun to watch. Uh, Joe Mantiply can offer a lot to a team that needs left-handed pitching in the bullpen. That's obviously been a weakness for the Tigers uh, in recent years. Um, Can he make his major league debut this year? I think probably. I think I would even say that's likely to happen. Uh, I don't know if this is the year that he makes a real impact on, on the major league team. That would be quite a jump and quite a rapid ascension. But um, that's, again, not to put it past him. I mean, what Joe Mantabli has are the intangibles that you can't teach. He's six four. He's left-handed. Um, he can throw three pitches for strikes, and he's got a very, very good changeup. And that changeup is the difference maker for him. That changeup is, I think, what can enable him to be more than just a lefty specialist, um, but a, uh, you know, a, a left-hander who can get out both lefties and righties at the major league level. So, I think the um I think frankly the need that the Tigers have for left-handed arms in the bullpen is going to put him in a position where he can earn that opportunity. If he goes out there and has a good spring and focuses on what he needs to do, um absolutely he can be a major leaguer this year. It's going to come down to consistency. How consistent can he be with his command, uh specifically with the fastball and the changeup? 
and how consistent can he be getting out left-handed hitters because when he first comes up, that's going to be his job is to get out lefties and be that lefty specialist. And if he's successful in that role, then obviously they'll give him the opportunity to uh, to pitch more against righties too and, and expand his role a bit. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. It's so hard to predict how players will react when they when they get that opportunity to adjust to the major leagues. I mean, there's no science to that. Some guys excel and seem to hit the ground running, and some guys, you know, seem to struggle to to, to make that jump from uh, the minor leagues to the major leagues. And a lot of that is just, I, I think, mental fortitude and, and character, and uh, and your your team also putting you in the best situation to succeed. So, um, I guess if I had to. Uh, put a prediction on it. I'd say yes, he makes it. He makes his major league debut this year, uh, but I'd be surprised hmm. if he's up there and he sticks up there and he's there for the majority of the year. Yeah, it could be one of those cases where, like as we saw with Corey Knebel last year, he made a pretty rapid jump and and seemed to do okay at first, but then you know, big league hitters start to figure you out. And I know he he said in an interview even that you know it's different at the big league level. They they are better at pitch recognition. They're not going to swing at the garbage that the you know, the minor leaguers were, were swinging and missing it. So, you know, even Corey Knable was saying, I think, at that time, yeah. he would prefer to spend some time at AAA and kind of work his way through. And we may see that with Joe Mantiply as well. But, Ben, you said the key words, you know, lefty specialist. You have to wonder if the Tigers are looking at him as a possible uh, replacement for Phil Koch. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that's why he's got an invite to spring training. I think that's why he's going to be given an opportunity to succeed. And uh, and and prove whether he can do it or not. You know, actually, I was a little surprised late last season when uh, when it came out that uh, his name had been involved in in talks about uh, you know major league pitchers. Obviously, Buck Farmer went up, and you know, two weeks after he was a Whitecap, he made his major league debut at Comerica Park, which was just a, an amazingly rapid ascent. Um, but then later that summer, I, I kind of started hearing some of the other guys that were in those conversations to help out the big league team late in the year, and uh, I was a little bit surprised that, that Mantiply's name was there just because he was so uh, so close to when he was drafted and uh, still down in, in, in low-class A baseball. But, uh, you know, that, that shows also the difference between minor leaguers and major leaguers. And you talked uh, earlier in this uh, podcast about the great plays you see when you're at a Whitecaps game. And, you know, they say it all the time, you see major league talent in the minor leagues every day. Minor league players are so talented, even even when they're only in A ball, they have the skills. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. The difference between right. minor leaguers and major leaguers is consistency. Okay, you can you can throw the fastball at 98. Can you consistently locate it and put it where you want it? Mm. Uh, you can you mm. can you can hit 300, but are you? Uh, are you able to consistently battle every at bat and consistently um, do the things that you, that you're trying to do? And that'll be that'll be the key to Joe Mantiply, just like it is with with every player when he gets to the major leagues. Can he consistently command his fastball? Can he consistently command his secondary pitches? And um, and then it'll be uh, if he's able to do that, he'll have some success. And then it'll be uh, adjusting. You know, then then the hitters will figure him out and and they'll have video on him from other teams and. They'll say, okay, this is what this guy does well. Let's try to attack him in a different way. And then it'll be a game of uh, adjustments, adjusting mm-hmm. to what uh, other hitters are doing to him. And then back and forth it goes. Right, right. But, uh, you know, like, like I keep saying, you know, I, I got to watch him pitch several games last year. I really liked what I saw. I liked the stuff that he was throwing. And he, he 
did seem to generate a lot of swings and misses when he was out there. So I, I'm, I'm very excited to see how he yeah. performs in sp- uh, spring training, and, and hopefully he is able to move up and, you know, and help the, the Tigers club this uh, this season. Um, I know I forgot to slip this name into our pre-show notes, but I wanted to also talk just a little bit about uh, Winton Bernard, because I know you're kind of a big mm. fan of his. I am as well. Yeah. Maybe just kind of talk a little bit about uh, what you saw from him last year and maybe where, where he's headed. Yeah, well, Winton is one of those guys I call them easy to root for. You know, I mean, I, I kind of root for yeah, all the guys yeah. that come through and you get to know and watch them, but but there's some guys that kind of stand out. They're just good guys, you know, uh, humble, modest, hardworking. You know, Winton's been through a lot in his personal and his professional life. Obviously, he's been drafted late, released by the Padres. I know that's been well documented. He was tremendous for us last year. He's a guy that was signed, so he got dr- released by the Padres, went to an open tryout for the Dodgers. They didn't sign him. Uh, flew on his own dime from his home in San Diego to, to Lakeland, Florida, for an open tryout with the Tigers. That's where he finally got signed by Dave Owen and the guys in the player development department. Did a great job in finding him. Uh, you know, he, We go into opening day last year. Austin Schatz is our starting center fielder and leadoff batter. When Bernard was just right. a reserve outfielder, they weren't expecting to play a whole lot. But then Schatz gets hurt opening night. All of a sudden, Winton is in the starting lineup, and he never let go. I mean, next thing you know, he's MVP mm-hmm. of the Midwest League. Uh, he broke the Whitecaps record for hits in a single season, which has stood for since 1997. Um, right. he, he plays He plays hard. He plays smart. He plays uh, with, with speed on both sides of the ball, which is one of those great tools that, that, uh, uh, that you just can't teach. Um, I'll tell you who, for, for your listeners who haven't seen him, the guy in the major leagues who I thought reminded me of him the most was uh, Lorenzo Cain. And I'm sorry, Tiger hmm. fans, I hate, to, I hate to bring up the Royals, um, but the brand of baseball that Lorenzo Cain played to help the Royals, um, you know, a lot of bunting, he hit the ball on the ground, he had a he had a 50-50 shot of beating it out for a hit. Uh, the defense that he played, you know, I was watching that playoff run and thinking to myself, I've been watching this guy all year long down in A-ball, and that's, a, that's uh, the type of player that Wynn Bernard is. And, you know, I know his age is a little up there for a guy um, at, at his point in his career, and, uh, you know, only time will tell if that proves to be too much for him to, to, to get over. But I, I certainly wouldn't bet against him. He's got speed that plays both ways. He's got other tools, and, and I'm, a, I'm a big Wynn Bernard fan. I, I know he's on the 40-man now. He's, he's going to Major League Camp. Um, I would expect him to, to probably start in double-A Erie um, with a chance to, you know, if he can pick up this year where he left off last year, he'll have a chance to uh, make an impact uh, this year and next year in Detroit, too. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you talk about his similarities to Lorenzo Cain. You, you mentioned bunting specifically, but not to give the wrong impression. Yeah, he's fast. He stole, I look at the stats now, he had 45 stolen bases with the Whitecaps this last season. But uh, he also hit his uh, hit 323. For for batting average, mm-hmm. slugged eight thirty six. So this is not the yeah. guy that uh, you know. To give the wrong impression to the listeners, he's not uh, you know purely a, a kind of a bunt and run kind of a guy. He he was a formidable you know opponent at the plate. I thought last year and covered a yes. lot of ground out there in center field defensively too. So really kind of excited to see you know him. It, I guess it all depends on how Anthony Ghost works out in center field for the Tigers this year. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see you know Winton Bernard make a at least have a shot at it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. He won the batting title also in the Midwest League last year. It's hard to hard to remember all of his accomplishments because uh, uh, there were so many. And he was our offensive he was our offensive star. I mean, we had so much pitching on the team last year that was 
consistent throughout the season. But offensively, uh, during stretches over the course of the year, he had trouble scoring runs at times. Um, and he was the guy who would save us. He was the guy who would make it happen. Uh, even in the playoffs, when offensively our team really didn't do much at all in the playoffs, uh, you can't say that about Witten. I mean, he was the guy carrying the offense, um, hit a big home run at Fort Wayne in the playoffs against the team that he played right. for the year before to uh, to spark right. uh, the the – uh, that first game we had there, it gave us a lead, although we ended up losing it. I mean, uh, so he was really, I mean, I, I could say he was the Whitecaps MVP last year, but I guess that's stating the obvious since he was the Midwest League MVP. So, um, <laughs> <That's right>. but yeah, <laughs> yeah. certainly, certainly wish him well, uh, certainly wish him the best. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful <clears throat> that he can have an impact in the major leagues and make it there because, because he's fun to watch. He, he's, he's a hard worker and he deserves it. And I, I misspoke earlier. I said he slugged 836. Of course, that's his OPS. That's his slugging right. and on-base percentage. He, he slugged 442, but his on-base percentage was 394. I mean, this this guy was really just a delight yeah. to watch last year. So, as always, when you know, being a Whitecaps fan, you kind of root for these guys to make the the move up the ladder and eventually make it, you know, to the big leagues. But at the same time, it's it's tough to watch them leave West Michigan. You know, go, oh man, I had so much fun watching that player. Now they're you know now they're gone, but such as life as a as a minor league baseball fan, right? Right. Then then you just hope they get to Detroit before they get traded. <laughs> that they're still with the That's Tigers right. when when they reach the major leagues. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you hope Winton Bernard sticks around for a while and Joe Mantiply and these guys and they don't end up you know going to Kansas City or something like that. Wouldn't that be ironic, Ben? Winton Bernard yeah. ends up in Kansas City and takes Lorenzo Kane's spot. But I tell you what, you never I know. I mean, that's that's part of the the Tigers' philosophy, as we know. You 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 get this diamond in the rough like Wynn Bernard, and you think, oh man, he can be our maybe our center fielder of the future or our corner outfielder. Well, you know what? He could also be a great bit of trade bait this July when the Tigers need whatever it is they need. Mm. They're trying to get over the hump and make that extra push, and um and and all these guys are assets, you know, and that's uh, that's what we see. I mean, we've. Uh, just in the last six months, uh, so many talented, talented prospects have been traded by the Tigers, but they've gotten a lot of talent in return. Absolutely, and if he does end up in Kansas City and taking Lorenzo Cain's spot, I will absolutely hold you responsible for that. Because, yeah. you know, as a broadcaster, your, your your words have the power to affect reality. So. Right, right. Well, I tell you what, if that if that happens, although I'll be disappointed as a Tigers fan, I'll be very excited for Witt, and I would love for... I would love for him to be a starting center fielder and leadoff hitter on any major league team. Hey, cheers to that, Ben. I will absolutely get behind that statement. Uh, we are just about out of time here. I promised I wouldn't keep you past about you know kind of half an hour. Um, so let's go back one more time to the Baffle Ben question. You got any, any, right. any guesses for me on that? Uh, which three Tigers pitchers have posted three or more complete game World Series wins? I got to think that in the Mickey, if it wasn't McLean, it's got to be Lolich, right? Lolich was the lefty, yes. Okay. Yes, we had, so I got, we had two I got righties and a lefty. And then we're talking about the 30s and the and the first decade of the 20th century. Right. Boy, of course, I don't when know. the Tigers made that uh, made that crazy three year run, 1907 through 1909. They were in the World Series all three of those years. And then, of course, they had right. their little run in the in the mid 30s. Yeah, boy, I tell you, all the names that are coming to my mind are position players. I don't know. I might have to wave the right flag. You're catching me in off-season mode here. I guess I'm a little rusty. <laughs> I should have picked something a little bit, uh, a little bit easier. But the, uh, no, in you're the fine. 1930s, I'm curious, though. I, I got to hear this. Yeah, what's the answer? 
1934 and 1935, Tommy Bridges uh, mm-hmm. posted three complete game World Series wins. Two of those came in the 1935 World Series. And then mm-hmm. in 1908 and 1909, uh, George Mullen, a right-handed pitcher for the Tigers, picked up one World Series win, a uh, complete game win in 1908, and then two more in 1909. Well, that's a good one. We'll have to get that question over to uh, to my buddy Dan Elvey. He'll have somebody working with See? him in the booth this year. I don't, I don't know if they'll be – they might have to change the name of it, you know, but hopefully they'll still be doing trivia for all our listeners. So we'll <laughs> I have to submit so. that question. That's a good one. Maybe you put in a good word for me. I'll be their uh, I'll be their trivia supply guy. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Dan Dan would like that. He would welcome that uh, that type of assistance for his staff. I think. <laughs> I'm I'm sure he would. Well, maybe we'll maybe we'll get in touch with him then. Yeah. So yeah, that's I think that's just going to about do it for our time today, Ben. I want to thank you so much. Uh, you know, just always a, a pleasure to talk. Uh, you know, Tigers baseball with you and baseball in general. Like you said, you're you're clearly a baseball nerd, and you know, I think a, a man after our listeners' hearts for that reason. And uh, again, just really sorry to see you go. Um, I know it's for the best. You know, I, I I give you props for for putting the family first and making that decision. But we're going to miss you here, and uh, I certainly wish you all the best in your in your future endeavors. Well, the feeling is definitely mutual, Hook Slide. I appreciate all the kind words. I appreciate that uh, you've been listening and enjoying the broadcast over the last few years, and I'll, I'll definitely miss it, but I won't be gone forever. We're, we're already planning a trip back up to uh, Grand Rapids this summer, and I'll be keeping my eye on, on the Tigers and the Whitecaps and, and everything in between. So um, it, it's been a blast for me. I really appreciated the opportunity, and I appreciate the opportunity to to get to know you and be on your podcast and, and be involved with the, with the bless you boy too, because like you said, we're all really baseball nerds at heart. Huh? I mean, this is fun. So I mean, yeah. what else would I rather be talking about? Exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, you come back up to the Grand Rapids area, you, uh, you know how to get a hold of me and we'll, uh, we'll definitely have to touch base and talk more Tigers trivia. Sounds good. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Ben. And uh, that's going to just about do it for us on this episode of the Bless You Boys podcast. I want to thank uh, Ben Chiswick again for joining me. You can find Ben on Twitter at Ben Chiswick. Uh, you can find the Whitecaps on Twitter at WM Whitecaps. And you can also find the Whitecaps online if you want to get season tickets or just game tickets or whatever, uh, you know, merchandise. Uh, I think they even have the stat sheets there. You can find the Whitecaps online at whitecapsbaseball.com. So, uh, that's going to do it for this week. We're going to be off next week uh, for Valentine's Day, but tune in on Saturday, February 21st. We'll be sitting down and talking with our resident medical expert, Rob Rojacki, about Victor Martinez's knee surgery and what that means for the 2015 season. So, until the next time that we see each other, this is Hook Slide saying have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Bless You Boys podcast. There's never been a corner like Michigan and Trumbull. Ha ha ha, that'll get him out of the old ballpark.
Hi, Fashion Hotline. Help. My family's New Year's resolution is to be more active, but we could use some new styles for motivation. Run into Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now. All Old Navy active styles for the family are up to 50% off. Kick it into gear with leggings, mesh tees, and more. Up to 50% off? Ooh, I'm feeling motivated already. Tops start at just 7 bucks for adults, 6 bucks for kids, with compression leggings and active pants from $15 for adults, $12 for kids. Kids, get a move on. We're going to Old Navy. Hurry in for up to 50% off all Old Navy active right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1-3 through 1-10. Excludes in-store clearance.